0: We are glad that you're here. It's a beautiful day. Very thankful for the opportunity to be together today. We certainly want to welcome those of you who are visiting. We're very grateful for you being with us today. We hope and pray that you will benefit by being here this morning. And if you're traveling, we pray that you will get to your destination safely. If you're looking for a church home, please consider the work here. We'd love to have you as a part of our church family. I do want to mention very quickly, I know that this week is the beginning of school, and so we've got a lot of guys going back to school, and we want you to know that you're in our prayers, our thoughts. We hope and pray that you'll have a great school year. We've got many teachers and administrators and those who work with the school system, and we want you to know that we are praying for you as well. And hopefully this will be a great, great calendar year for you in school. I do want to mention this past Friday, Jared and a group of the young people and I had the opportunity to deliver the backpacks that, that had been donated, and we went to, I don't know how many schools we went to, but uh, quite a few, and the response was amazing. We, we accomplished a lot of good, a lot of goodwill was uh, certainly, I, I think, a lot of goodwill was a result of uh, what you did, those of you that contributed to this cause, and I want you to know that the teachers, the administrators, the guidance counselors, they all expressed how appreciative they were for the thoughtfulness of the church here. And uh, there are kids, hard to believe, but there are kids in this community, in this area, that without your help, they would struggle. And so I appreciate all that was done, and we're very grateful for for you and for making that possible. We are looking today at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to be talking about the amazing love of God. We've been singing about the love of God this morning. In 1 John chapter 4, John makes a statement about the character of God. You know, there are a lot of things that we think about with regard to God's character. God is a being of Grace and kindness and mercy. He is a being of forgiveness. But John says very emphatically God is love. And so there are so many characteristics that come to mind as we talk about God. But John said that God is love. And God has declared His love for us. Not only has He declared His love, But He has manifested that love. He has proven His love for us, hasn't He? And John's going to talk about that in our study today. So we want to think for a minute or two about the amazing love of God. Love is a very beautiful concept. We use the term daily. Many of us are the beneficiaries of the love of family and friends and how grateful we are for opportunities that we have to express our love to one another and to share one another's love, but to think about the love of God. And John talks about the declaration of God's love. I want to begin by just talking for a moment or two about some of the features of God's love. And really there are two very specific features of God's love. The first has to do with the purity of His love. When I think about the love of God and the fact that He is a being that is identified as one of love, I can't help but think about the fact that His love for us is genuine, it's pure. There's nothing artificial about it. When God says that He loves us, He means it. It's true, isn't it? And so the purity of His love and then the profession. Of his love. Listen again to what John said in 1 John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, God is love. In verse 9, John said, In this the love of God was manifested toward us. That God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In verse 10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Down in verse 19, he said, He first loved us. God has over and over again professed His genuine love for us. You remember in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul said, but God commends His own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus, in His conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, would say, for God so loved the world, the love of God, and the fact that God has professed His love for us. That love is pure. It is a professed love. All of us appreciate when people tell us they love us. We are very grateful for those who express their genuine love for us, and they want us to reciprocate that love. It's very special. And yet to know that the very Creator of the universe loves us. Now I think about the features of God's love, but then there are two very important facts about God's love. The first is that God's love is universal. You remember the song that we sing, Jesus Loves Me? And in that song we say, red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in His sight. It really doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what your gender is, your age, your race, etc. None of these factors are taken into consideration when we talk about the love of God. God's love is universal. He loves all of us. I mean, you think about the very creator of the universe, the one that made man in his own image and likeness, loves us. And that love is universal. It is from The east coast to the west coast, from pole to pole, it is worldwide. Not only is God's love universal, but the Bible tells us His love is unconditional. That's hard to imagine. You know, there are some people in the world today, and you would agree with me, there are some people that quite frankly are hard to love, aren't they? I mean, you know them. They have a prickly personality. There are some folks that they don't engender love. Sometimes people have a hateful, sour attitude. There are some who are constantly negative. There are some that are always complaining and murmuring. There are some individuals that because of the very nature of their personality, I mean, they're hard to love. But then there are some people you just can't help but love. You love them because of the sweetness of their personality their kindness, their gentle words, their words of encouragement. I mean, there are some people that you just, you can't help but loving. Well, when you look at the world, and there are a lot of people on this this globe that we call home, and there are a lot of folks that have done a lot of things that are contrary to the will of God. There are some mean, hateful, just downright bad, bad people. But God loves them. God loves them. You remember in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, Paul said, When we were yet without strength, Christ died for whom? For the ungodly. You remember the apostle Paul, he talked about the love of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul had prefaced his statement about God's desire for the human family and the sending of Christ into the world. By saying, look, previously I had been a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. He said, but I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. Saul of Tarsus was a, look, he was a persecutor. He was a murderer. He was intent on destroying Christianity. He did everything within his power to make havoc of the Lord's church. God still loved him. And there are people in our world today that we would all agree might be very difficult for us to love. There are names that I could call and you would know them. And they have committed some of the highest crimes against humanity. God still loves them. Why? Because His love is unconditional. Now, that's not to say He loves what people do. But He loves us. That gives you some insight into His unconditional love. Think about your children for a minute. When it's all said and done, no matter what your children say or do, they're still your children, aren't they? They are bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh. And because they are your children... They might hurt you. They might disappoint you. They might break your heart, but you still love them. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I really don't believe I had any concept of unconditional love until I had a child. That's when it hit home. That's when I realized, you know what? I love someone irregardless. Well, that's God. God loves us no matter what. And so, the declaration of divine love. But now, secondly, the manifestation of divine love. And I want to begin by talking about the cross, or rather the cost of Calvary. We're going to talk about the cross, but the cost Of Calvary. As we talk about the cost of Calvary, I want to begin by talking about the cost of Calvary to God. Have you ever thought about what it costs God when we talk about our salvation, our redemption? I mean, go back to Calvary, and when you begin to, to survey, as we sing, that wondrous cross, and you look at Calvary and see Jesus lifted up, you need to understand it cost God the Father something, didn't it? Listen again to what John said in verse 9. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, sent His Son to be the propitiation Now, God was willing to give His Son in our stead for sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, that God spared not His own Son, but freely gave Him up for us all. Could I ask you a question this morning? How many of you are parents? We've got a lot of parents here, don't we? Look around the room. Identify another child and tell me, is there a child in this room that you would sacrifice your child for? I know the answer. I, I don't even have to ask you that question. I know the answer. There is not another child in this room that is worthy of the death of your son. Agreed? Or your daughter. Agreed? That's a fact. Now, as a parent, none of us would ever dream of giving our child for the life of another child. We might like that child, we might love that child, That child might be a friend of our child's, but we are not giving our child for the life of another child, are we? We're not built that way. As a parent, would you give your life for the life of your child? I know that answer. I would give my life for my child's life, wouldn't you? Sure would. But I'm not giving my child's life for any other life, are you? but God did. God was willing to give His Son, His child for your life. Now you tell me the expense of Calvary. God spared not His own Son, but as Paul said, He freely gave Him up for us all. That's divine love. That is a picture of the love of God in its simplicity and purity. And then, what about the cost of Calvary to the Son of God? Is it possible that when we go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we read the story of the cross, is it possible that we've read it so much, we've heard so much about it, that it really doesn't resonate anymore? I mean, it doesn't pack the punch that it once did? I mean, is it possible that we've read about the cross, we've talked about the cross, we've prayed about the cross, we have sung about the cross, and you know, when, it, when it's all said and done, it really just it doesn't move the needle anymore. Is that possible? We just kind of gloss over it. Jesus died for our sins. You know, the Bible says, when they came to the place called Calvary, there they crucified Him. You can go back and read Matthew chapter 27, and you can see Jesus in the presence of Pilate. And Pilate asked the question, what then shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? And you know what they said? Let Him be crucified. They wanted the Son of God to be put to death. And John tells us in John chapter 19, that Pilate took Jesus and scourged Him. The scourge itself was enough to kill Him. They literally beat the Son of God to a pulp with that scourge. And the Bible tells us as they made their way to Golgotha, to Calvary, the Lord Jesus fell beneath the weight of the cross. And the Bible says they compelled a man by the name of Simon from Serene. To bear that cross, and by the way, that wasn't his cross, it was your cross, it was my cross. Jesus was our. Jesus was our suffering servant. He vicariously died in our stead. That cross was our cross. As He made His way to Calvary, and as they got to Calvary, the Bible says, and sometimes we just read, we read it, but it doesn't, really, it doesn't really hit us. When they were come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified Him. Do you know what they did? They took spikes and they drove those spikes into the hands of the Son of God. They took those spikes and they drove them into the feet of the Son of God. And then they took that cross and lifted it up and placed it in the ground. The intense pain and agony that Jesus experienced on Calvary for us Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and He is literally wrestling with the weight of the cross? And He is praying to God the Father and He is saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from Me. Three times He he prayed, let this cup pass from Me. But He always said, nevertheless, not as I will, but Your will be done. Jesus was in agony. He knew what He had to do. But the human side is wrestling with the weight of the cross. Peter said, the just for the unjust. So here is Jesus struggling with what lay before Him. And then to hear His words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. No, they didn't know what they were doing, did they? They just crucified the Son of God. They just, they just scourged the Son of God. They spit in the face of the Son of God. They slapped the Son of God. They questioned His sovereignty. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. They questioned His sonship. If you're the Son of God, what did it cost the Son of God at Calvary? It cost Him His life. His life for your life. His life for my life. The cost of Calvary and then the cross of Calvary when you look back 2,000 years and see that cross on Calvary's hill a thief on this side a thief on the other side and the Son of God welded to a piece of wood what do you see? it's all said and done What do you see? Did you know that Jesus came to rescue us from sin? Do we really get what sin's all about? Paul said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul said, there's none righteous, no, not one. Did you know that without Jesus, you would be lost? Eternally separated from God. And yet Jesus came to rescue us. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 20, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give his life as a ransom for the many. Many of us are familiar with people that have been abducted. And the kidnappers will often talk about a ransom. They want X amount of money and they will deliver the loved one back to their family. The devil, the devil has taken the human family hostage, and Jesus came as the ransom price for sin. The Bible tells us that Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. John said in 1 John chapter 3 that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The Lord Jesus came to rescue us from sin and to redeem us from sin. In other words, the Lord Jesus came to buy us back. Now you ask the question, what was the bounty placed for redeeming us? It was His blood, wasn't it? You think about how special that blood was to God the Father. Think about how special that blood was to the Son of God. You know, there are some people in our world today that they know something about sacrifice. There are a lot of people in our country, they have sacrificed their loved one, their father, their mother, their son, their daughter, their brother, their sister, for the preservation of the freedom that we call a blessing. We enjoy freedom because many people have paid the ultimate price to preserve that freedom. What we don't understand is Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we might enjoy freedom from sin. That freedom from sin was not cheap. I'm thinking right now, to, I'm thinking right now about a lady who has long since departed this world. I can't tell you how many times I went into her living room and hanging over her sofa was a picture of her son who died in World War II, killed at sea. His purple heart accompanied that picture. And that had been many, many, many years, but that child was still precious to that mother. And she could sleep in peace at night because of what her son did on behalf of other Americans. Now you think about what the Lord has done for us. He's the ransom for our sin. He is the Redeemer from all sin. And so we're blessed Now, there's a third thing I want to share with you very quickly. That is the reciprocation of divine love. The reciprocation of divine love. First, our love looks upward, doesn't it? And really, when we talk about our love, and the fact that our love looks upward, it's expressed, number one, in our attitude. Listen to John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. John said we love Him. Why, John? Because He first loved us. How much do you love God? The way you live, is that indicative of your love for God? You know, John said, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. His commandments are not burdensome or grievous. We show our love for God by how we live every day. Talk's cheap. And John said, look, we love Him because we understand He first loved us. Could I ask you today, do you love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind? Do you love Him like He loved you? Or like He loves you? So, first... It's expressed in our attitude. Secondly, it is expressed in our gratitude. Gratefulness. Thanksgiving. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul said, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Do you know what Paul was talking about there? He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact that God had blessed the human family through the sending of Jesus. I'm convinced that the Apostle Paul lived with an attitude of gratitude every day. Are you grateful for what the Lord has done on your behalf? Do you show it by how you live? You know, one of the earmarks Of a society that is not where it ought to be is ingratitude. I mentioned a moment ago the freedom that we enjoy in this country. The freedom that we enjoy in this country is not cheap. The freedom that we enjoy through Christ is not cheap. And yet sometimes we become ungrateful for what our soldiers have done to make this a free... Look, look, is America perfect? No. Are there things that we could do better? Yes. But there are a lot of people that have given their life for the preservation of our country. And you think about God the Father has given His Son for the preservation of our eternal soul. So it ought to be expressed in gratitude. So first, our love looks upward, and then secondly, it looks outward. Listen to John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. We show our love to saints. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God, knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Remember Jesus in John 13, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. He said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another the newness of that command, the depth of his love. And Jesus is saying, Look, here's how you love one another. You love one another to the degree that I've loved you and gone to the cross. So we love saints, but we also love sinners, don't we? Why do we love sinful people? Because the Lord did. Jesus loved sinners. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and note the number of times Jesus Talk to outcasts. Talk to those that were, as we would say, at the bottom rung of society. Why did he do that? Because he loved them. He was the great physician who came to heal those who were sick with sin. And so when we share the gospel with the lost and dying world, when we talk to those who are our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our classmates about the Lord Jesus, we do so because we love their soul, don't we? So when you look at 1 John chapter 4, what do you read about? The amazing love of God. God's love's amazing. Nothing like it. What God wants from us is that we love Him in return and that we love one another. Today, if you're here and you're not a Christian, let's just say you've never obeyed the gospel. You believe Jesus to be the Son of God. You have never acted upon that faith. You've never responded through obedience. If you're here today and you've never been baptized into Christ, come to Jesus, believing that He is the Son of God, repenting of your sins, confessing His name before others. Be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22:16), 16. And then be faithful so that one day you can hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're here today and maybe for whatever reason you're not faithful to His cause, your life is not what it ought to be, and you want to make things right, Look, we would, be, we would be happy to pray with you today. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. And the beauty is God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.